0: Coming to the end of September we've been focusing on women's health uh the entirety of this month and we've had some great guests on we've had Joelle on we had Taylor Jeffers on um we had Lauren Crum on and all three of them provided great resources as far as planning a healthy pregnancy fertility support um, hormone balancing um, and just an overall kind of breakdown of women's health I think and, and it was great to learn a lot from them um, I think they offer a great resource to the community, and. Um, you know, if you're in Indiana and you're looking for a practitioner to work with, if you're thinking about planning a family, you know, I would reach out to any one of those three, you know, just depending on where you're at in the area. Um, and I think, you know, as a community effort, raising a kid. We used to have people kind of as a, a group be a part of that, whether it's, you know, planning the pregnancy or taking care after childbirth.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so I think it's, it's great that we have these resources. And today, we have Dr. Lauren on the show.
1: Hello! And
0: she's going to be talking about postnatal depletions, which I think is the last kind of missing piece um, with all this. So, Dr. Lauren, welcome.
2: Hello! <laughs> it's good to be here. Yeah. Finally.
0: So, when you think of postnatal depletions, what are some of the, you know, big thoughts that come to your
2: mind? Um, I feel like a poster child.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: um. I've lived think it. I ha- I have. Apparently, I might still be. But um, yeah, I think some of the main points, especially that I can deeply connect with. Um, the first one is if you would describe your state, describe yourself in being in a state of overwhelm. Mm-hmm. Um, fatigue is also another big component to all this, or a symptom that people might experience, and I feel like it's almost kind of written off, like. Okay. Well, you've had a baby, you're bound to be tired and fatigued. It's kind of chalked up to not a very big deal.
1: Um,
2: but you start to mix in things like brain fog. So that's where I say, I think I probably still have some of this (laughs) happening, um, brain fog, which people will call baby brain. Um, when you're pregnant, they call it pregnancy brain. Um, there's also like anxiety, um, things that would be related to hormones. So like low libido, hair loss, things like that as well. Um, One of the big pieces, so Dr. Oscar, I don't, I'm going to butcher his last name. I think it's Srelich, Srelich, I can't remember. Um, So he's the one that kind of coined the term or put postnatal depletion together. Um, He is big on talking about the inflammatory component of postnatal depletions and specifically more in the sense of, like, neural inflammation. So most women aren't going to be like, I feel like I have neural inflammation happening. Yeah. Um, But a lot of, like, so, like, the anxiety and the overwhelm and, like, basically just the inability to um, handle the amount of stress that you might have been able to before, Mm -hmm. it can all be very easily traced back to, like, what's happening neurologically, especially, like, in the brain. Yes. So I know we talked about this before. We were rolling. Yeah. um, That which I had no idea that this was actually a thing, but so obviously we know that um, brain development as a fetus Mm -hmm. is like the most rapid brain growth that you'll have. Um, But apparently pregnant women go through like the second largest brain growth when they're pregnant, as far as what's happening within the brain, even above like teenagers, which we all relate like what happens to teenagers. Yeah, (laughs) They have this brain growth and they turn different. Well, pregnancy causes like ma- rapid changes in the brain too. It's
0: crazy. It is. Yeah. And I don't think many people know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and then also the inflammatory component behind it. I don't think people think like, oh, my brain's maybe inflamed. Right. You know, postnatally.
2: Yeah. Well, and that's, yeah, a big thing. I mean, inflammation's a good buzzword that we all kind of talk about. And some mm-hmm. people are kind of like, oh, inflammation, whatever. But like, it's a big thing. I mean, even if it's, you know, in another body part, but in the brain, especially like it can cause some, major issue so
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's no fun being um not only like having that brain fog, but then also, you know, when we think of a lot of the deleterious um conditions around our brain have like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, you know, they're very destructive conditions and um it's no fun losing that memory. Yeah, it can be very struggling just a day to day struggle with it. Um so adding in some I think some high quality herbs or foods or supplements that like we're going to talk about today could be a, a good thing to help those people going through that.
2: Yeah. Extra Ram. Just kidding. Oh okay. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> Definitely. Um, so some of those nutrients, what would we think about?
2: For helping like in the depletion part of things? Definitely. Yeah. Um, so some of the most common depletions I think you find across the board, um, essential fatty acids is a, a very big one. Um, and I might backtrack for a second, so I don't forget. And you might yeah. have to remind me to come back to this. No, no. But right. um, this, I feel like it's definitely worth noting that the like this prior to pregnancy, the state that the mother is in or the woman is in prior to pregnancy makes such a big difference too. Because if you're already walking into this depleted, mm-hmm. um, then you don't have those reserves to even pull from to begin with. So obviously, then you have a much bigger impact with baby and having the, you know, nutritional deficiencies that can affect with them. But I feel like a lot of women going into pregnancy aren't really at their peak to begin with. So, um, when you're going into pregnancy, like, I mean, the baby's going to take baby gets priority. So Mm -hmm. they're going to basically, I told a friend of mine, um, I didn't remember this, but she's like, do you remember when you told me that babies are basically parasites? And I'm like, I don't, <laughs> but she, you're kind of right. That they yeah. basically are going to suck everything that they need out of you, but they still want to keep you alive. Like definitely. you have to be living. They need a host.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but they will, they're definitely a nutrient hogs. So mm-hmm. coming back to that full circle, that essential fatty acids are a big one. Obviously they are building a lot of brain cells and other cells that are requiring, um, good fats. I feel like we should talk about, Um, and then other, you know, B vitamins, um, calcium, magnesium, um, vitamin D is a big one. I think we throw a, probably any of the fat soluble vitamins can get thrown in there. Um, minerals. So I know we'll talk a little more like iron, copper, and zinc. Um, choline is also another big one that I know Dr. Oscar talks quite a bit about. Um, and that one, you know, specifically they've have linked it to, Um, Back to that inflammation part of it, that um, having adequate levels of choline in pregnancy um, has been linked to reduced uh, effects of placenta inflammation, which, again, I didn't know this, that placenta inflammation is um, a major, like, root cause of things like preeclampsia and hypertension and things like that during pregnancy, too.
1: Um,
2: So I'm sure there's some more selenium, Mm -hmm. iodine. That's a good start, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. I mean, (laughs) B vitamins, if I didn't say that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of different things to consider. And I'm glad that you brought up the, I guess the health that you go into this as being a huge factor, because obviously everyone's going to be different Mm -hmm. as they react. Um, and specifically too, if you go into, um, pregnancy with like autoimmune conditions that can definitely actually go into, um, submission during the pregnancy right. um, you might not have those symptoms because we have progesterone gain elevated and we're driving a th2 response and so yeah some people might even feel better going into a pregnancy yeah and then they feel horrible afterwards because then the autoimmune condition flares back up yeah um, or other people might not, not even feel anything because they already had those nutrient Um, reserves going in right um and probably if it's your first pregnancy or your second pregnancy you know that also plays a huge role into it as well
2: yeah i mean obviously the more babies that you have i think they say it takes it's either two or three years for like the your body to actually recover from a pregnancy Mm -hmm. so and that's probably if you're taking great care of yourself yeah um so if you're having babies more frequently than that I don't Mm -hmm. think your body ever has the chance to really or doesn't have that chance to refill stores and kind of get back to a great functional state before you've got to run that whole marathon all over again
1: yeah
0: (laughs) and how like how many years can some of these symptoms go on for
2: um so apparently can last up to a decade i'm sure it can probably last even longer than that if you don't do anything about it it just may roll into a different uh title of or condition or something at that point um, but, yeah, so it can last you know, a few weeks for some women. It can last a couple years or it definitely can last up to a decade. Yes. Which is a long period of time. So,
0: And with some of these depletions, would you recommend more of, like, a food-based approach or more of a supplemental approach?
2: So, ideally, if we can get as much as we can through, like, whole food, plant-based, like, as much in the original state as possible, mm-hmm. um, I think that's definitely preferred. Um, I know there's, you know, you throw in um, complications with like gut function and GI issues and absorption and all that. So some people might have to go, you know, a more extreme route or depending on the level of depletion. So, you know, if you, you know, do testing and you find out you're, you know, incredibly depleted, you might have to be a little more intensive, I guess, about it, use it therapeutically. But yeah, ideally, um, I would say in an ideal world, if we are Uh, nourishing through food and like emotional community support Mm -hmm. throughout the entire process especially postnatal yeah um that the less you're gonna have to swallow the pills
0: yes (laughs) so i think that's a great use of our supplements they're kind of like that immediate um, care form um, of interventions while our food and our herbs Um, They can be used like that, but they're more like that long-term strategy. Um, And they are the best because they're like the least processed form. Yep. Um, But sometimes, you know, after I haven't personally had a child myself. (laughs) You haven't. I haven't. (laughs) Um, But I'm sure you're quite exhausted. You know, lots going on, lots on your plate. And sometimes it's going to be hard to cook and, you know, get all that into you um, during that time. So can also be understandable sometimes maybe reaching for a multivitamin or something like that might happen during that period. Yeah. Um, so if people are listening to this and that's kind of where you're at, you know, don't feel bad, you know, yeah. you gotta make it practical with your your lifestyle.
2: Yeah. Well, and before I let you go any further, <laughs> um, this was big on, uh, what Dr. Oscar has talked about in research, like different cultures. So we know the American way of like, you know you might get what six weeks off pregnancy leave or from work or whatever yeah um we almost like wear it like a badge to be like immediately out in public and back to the gym and doing whatever and like up and doing laundry and taking care of everything like that's kind of the american way to do it where in other cultures like especially i think in china like they have the longest period where like if the mom comes out with the baby they're literally like shooing her back into the house like you don't you shouldn't be out here so they make a very strong emphasis in other cultures and communities about how important it is to give moms new moms all that support that they actually need because it is like i i did the whole like you've got to cook meals i've got other kids like there wasn't rest period per se Mm -hmm. so I would be more set up for having postnatal depletions because i didn't just sit down and rest and do all of that so i yeah. think from a community perspective like if you're you know if this isn't you if you're not pregnant if you know somebody that's had a baby from a community standpoint some of the best things you can do is to like set up meal trains prepare meals and things for these mothers so that they are getting nutrient dense food that they don't have to sit there and get up and cook it and clean it and do up like all that afterwards. So I think from a community perspective like that would be far more ideal than like here take this pill. Yes,
0: definitely I would agree with that. <laughs> and um yeah, it's kinda like the convenience where we reach for the, what's easiest. But if we have a support system, sometimes we don't have to go into that ease and um, yeah I think here, especially in the States, we celebrate sometimes things that we shouldn't like. Right. I even look at sports sometimes. It's like, oh yeah, go hurt yourself more and more and more. Yeah. Let's celebrate you for that. <laughs> and I think it'd be the same thing. Like, why aren't you working more hours? Yeah. Um, why aren't you just, you know, shoving this aside and, you know, some things like as intimate as starting a family, you know, I can't think of anything better than taking time to be in that and just enjoy that process. Um, so I'd agree with that. Definitely. It, it does take a community to raise a child. Oh yeah. Um, so if someone did bring some foods, I think it'd be good to run through some foods that they could consider, um, cause you rattled off a whole list of <laughs> great nutrients that could definitely be depleted. Yeah. And if they are depleted, could definitely lead to some severe symptoms. Yeah. Um, so I think just starting with iron, um, that's a major one that I think a lot of doctors prescribe. Yeah. Um, especially if there's heavy bleeding. Mm-hmm. Um, And I definitely have had a lot of people come in and have huge doses of iron prescriptions. Um, But that's not the only thing, right? Yeah. What else might they think about?
2: One day we need to have a whole podcast on iron. I know. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, iron is... Iron's an important piece, but there's a lot of other nutrients, like cofactors that are necessary to actually like move and metabolize iron. So that's where you get into things like, um, you know, the magnesium and I know hydrochloric acid isn't necessarily a nutrient, but, um, copper and zinc and all these things need to be in balance and in good levels in Mm -hmm. order for iron to actually do what it's supposed to. So I think again, back to that, you know, getting it as, whole and close to the source as we possibly can like organ meats are obviously they're high in iron but they also have you know higher high levels of choline we should pause that next time um we we has higher levels of choline in it obviously it's going to have a lot of those other minerals in it um so organ meats a great one i don't even know how to prepare organ meat so i would have to (laughs) probably err on the side of you sharing like how to actually incorporate that into diet but
0: definitely i think um well actually if you guys listen to the episode with audrey baron yeah she gives a great recipe for that and it's mostly you just kind of cook it down with things like onions um and oil and maybe a little bit of water mm-hmm. and kind of make um a base out of that yeah um and definitely heavy seasonings yeah. <laughs> it would be a great recommendation too <laughs>
2: To make it taste better? Yes,
0: definitely, uh, (laughs) because it does have a very um, noticeable taste. Does it? Um, But I've heard other things like heart is easier to kind of make and have less of a noticeable flavor from. Yeah. Whereas liver, um, you definitely notice liver.
2: Yeah. It's not high on my... I think I want to eat liver for dinner tonight, but maybe I should. That's my problem. Yeah. I'll try it. I'll get back to you guys.
0: Um, Well, I like that recommendation because I think... Iron's like the low hanging fruit mm-hmm. that we all want to just reach for and say, yeah, that's the, the problem. But yeah. a lot of times it's, yeah, I think the B vitamins B's. are copper. Yep. And if you're like wondering like, how do I get my B vitamins? Definitely organ meats. Um, B pollen yeah. is one of the best. Um, he'll be on later next month, but Jeff Kripe with Eagle Creek Apiary talks about how if you have a deficient diet in any area, how, bee pollen can kind of fill in those gaps in your way. Um, and so I think it'd be a great one to add in. And then for copper, we have things like grass-fed butter um, or shellfish. like uh, Shrimp can be a great one, too. Um, and even things like um, do wild-caught scallops, too, to get some. Um, and I think that'd be a great way to maybe address that iron component when we think, oh, iron for anemia, but maybe it's someone else.
2: Right. Well, I think all those also probably have those cofactors in it that make it so your body actually going to get that usable form and usability of the iron rather than it coming in a giant horse pill tablet that constipates you.
0: Yes, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Nothing like that. <laughs>
2: um
0: everyone loves that oh absolutely (laughs)
2: especially after you've had a baby so we don't need yep um yeah i know with choline too that things like you said eggs Mm -hmm. obviously the whole egg yolk and all yes (laughs) whole eggs are good on the choline aspect um what did say shiitake mushrooms wasn't that on there too so
0: good one yeah Uh, magnesium is another huge one that's like kind of like the master mineral i always think of yeah um i like cacao is there one that you like
2: Man. I do like cacao, but, I don't, yeah, I don't know what other things are high in magnesium That you say that.
0: Yeah, I'd probably just get some, like, the darkest chocolate that you could and then go with that. What
2: every woman hates. Yeah. Just I kidding. <laughs> Eat more Especially chocolate. pregnancy yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Drop off chocolate bars to the late newly mother.
0: That's right. Um, and then you brought up vitamin D. Yeah. Which is a huge one, and um, it's one that I could definitely see being deficient because... Vitamin D plays such a huge role in our immune response, Mm -hmm. and a lot of times during a pregnancy we're trying to avoid herbs and even supplements that cause immunological response. We don't want to fight that fetus. Right. Um, So now being postnatal now, we want to try to maybe bolster it. And I like cod liver oil. Yeah. It's my favorite form for vitamin D. Yep. Um, And it actually has the active form of vitamin A, another really important immunological vitamin, and it has it as retinol instead of beta carotene, which we see in a lot of vitamin A supplements, which is actually really poorly converted into the active vitamin A form, which which is retinol. Yeah. Um, and then I think lastly, we have like vitamin C.
1: Yeah.
0: Which um, we can think about our citrus, and I like camu camu quite a bit for that. Yeah. Um, and I think it should be kind of stated that when we have vitamin C, sometimes they're derived from corn and we'll see things like ascorbic acid. Mm. Um, we already eat enough corn into our diet. I feel like we get <laughs> high fructose corn syrup. Um, corn goes into so many things. Like I think the average American eats basically corn almost with every meal, whether they realize it or not. Yeah. Um, just cause all of our sweeteners and it's hidden in a lot of different things. Oh yeah.
2: Um, Apparently it's in diapers too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So many avoid. uses of corn. I Hopefully know. we're not eating that, but. no.
0: <laughs> Hopefully not, but you never know. Um, so getting something that a vitamin C that's not ascorbic acid, a fake form, um, or derived from corn is great. And um, that's because if we get ascorbic acid, we actually deplete copper. So we're really trying to avoid that, especially if we're trying to get mineral repletion.
2: Yeah. Well, and the whole vitamin C and iron link, too, that if you are... Not absorbing iron from your diet. If you eat consume vitamin C with an iron rich meal or whatnot, mm-hmm. you're going to get more absorption of it that way.
1: Yeah. So point. it's
2: all a very good complement to one another.
0: Yeah. So if someone just got done um, giving birth and they think they might be depleted in some things, mm-hmm. um, are there some lab tests that they could consider running?
2: Yeah. So um, when I'm working with patients, if I have, if I have my way, <laughs> um, I like to run a com, I'd say a complete panel looking at, um, why, so I always check antibody levels on thyroid after ideally during pregnancy, almost always after like at least like a month or so after pregnancy, just to check, like you mentioned that whole immune response thing there.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, cause it can be missed and it can be, you know, postpartum depression can be mistaken for that could be mistaken for it actually being a thyroid issue. Um, so hormones, um, I always check a complete thyroid hormone panel. Um, you could obviously look at, you know, adrenal hormones and stuff in there too, to get the whole picture of like the HPA axis and what's happening there. Um, there is a big, uh, crash in estrogen and progesterone after you deliver the baby. So, um, those, you know depletions are pretty normal but you should have you know nature smart and god's intelligent that that boost in um oxytocin and prolactin i'm like what's the other one yeah, okay. um oxytocin and prolactin should kind of you know boost up so if any mom's having any issues with you know milk supply or anything like that we can check those levels as well mm. um ideally if we can look at some of those individual nutrient levels so running like a micronutrient test is really ideal so you can get a picture of you know what's happening with you know iron copper and zinc and selenium and all those minerals um, in addition to you know the bees and the breakdowns of the essential fatty acids like you can get a really nice blueprint of exactly you know what your current well you I should say it's a snapshot um, of where you know your nutrient levels are at there um, so you know hormones and micronutrients are good pictures to look at if you can run all of it
0: I agree with that and I, I think it's common to also hear like ever since I was pregnant and I gave birth I've never felt like my hormones are right ever since right like I've heard that multiple times from multiple people mm-hmm. and I think getting on top of it and just like just the same where you're at um, it can be really great and then knowing maybe hey like I just went through this process and now my thyroid's out of whack. It could yeah. be a really important thing because after you give birth, you know, it could go really high or it could go really low. Right. And we were talking before this that um, you were telling me that when we have a rise in progesterone, we also have a rise in our thyroid hormone. Mm-hmm. And so when that drops and all of a sudden, you know, we're like, wow, yeah. what happened? Yep. Um, so I think that's a great recommendation that you can check your adrenals your thyroid your sex hormones and yeah kind of just give it the the gambit and see what's going on
2: yeah I've, it's in to not live like this for 10 years that picture of you know overwhelm anxious fatigue exhausted can't remember or enjoy anything like i feel like that's it's worth it if you're able to do it that's for sure
0: definitely <laughs> um and so there's other conditions that can arise you know, as a complications, we have things like gestational diabetes. Mm -hmm. Um, So blood sugar and blood sugar regulation can definitely probably be a big factor. Um, Would there be things that you'd recommend before someone gets pregnant to think about as far as like a metabolic side of things go?
2: Yeah, you mean as far as um, like assessing or making sure like where they're at, you mean?
0: Yeah, like would you run tests for blood sugar or would you have them kind of approach their diet um, with some kind of things in mind for gestational diabetes that could be a complication?
2: Yeah, so ideally, um, so any, anybody that works kind of in the women's health and a holistic perspective, we're always like, if we can get our hands on moms before you're pregnant, mm-hmm. then you can definitely lay a much stronger foundation.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, like you're saying, you know, the blood sugar part, if you can see earlier on, that there may be some dysregulation in blood sugar and not great habits on the mom's part. Being able to correct all of that is far easier before you get pregnant. Cause you can also use herbs. Mm-hmm. So once you get pregnant, like a lot of things that might help are thrown out the window for sure.
1: Yes.
2: Um, so yeah, I mean, if we're able to assess, you know, pre-pregnancy with someone, um, blood sugar, inflammatory levels, um, getting a good gauge on, Um, you know, immune function and looking at some of that stuff can be really helpful to avoid some of those pitfalls. And also I think a big one is cortisol and all the adrenal and stress stuff I think is a huge missing piece that Mm -hmm. is really overlooked. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's, you know, direct ties to, you know, complicating conditions or anything, but I feel like adrenals can almost be an underlying thing to virtually every condition. I agree (laughs) with that, Yeah. So, yeah, being able to look at some of those things are helpful. Um, I'm sure I'm missing some other obvious ones. Um, Yeah, I mean, if they have thyroid stuff, being able to regulate that beforehand. Um, Balancing out, obviously, sex hormones is ideal.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's where, like you said, working with someone beforehand is great because a lot of the practitioners we had on this month, um, that's kind of what they specialize in is getting that preparatory phase going. Yeah. Um, And they're going to help with cycle tracking and a lot of great things that help Maybe if you have a, a shorter or longer period, find out why, what hormones might be contributing. Right. Um, and, it, yeah, I think both the male and the female should think about that detox strategy
1: Yeah. Um, yep.
0: before they go in because um, we're seeing infertility on the rise, and it's not just a coincidence. Um, I think there's <laughs> things that are going on.
2: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, like the detox part, that's a good one. I'm glad you brought that up. Like, yeah. that's huge if you can... Because, um, and I don't know how much, you know truth i haven't dived super deep into the research but um if you think about it if mom's basically like an open gateway for nutrients and things and if it's a time where there's a lot of turnover in um you know essential fatty acids in the cell like human cells essentially mm-hmm. it's a great time where we're breaking down a lot of heavy metals and toxins that are in our system that can easily be passed on to the baby
1: yeah
2: and i i know they've there's um you know research or facts you can find about like how many pollutants and toxins they find in umbilical blood so we're not even talking like the baby's been you know alive for a year like we're talking fresh out of the womb like how much toxins are found in baby's blood so like you said if you can detox a lot of that beforehand That's super ideal because you can't detox when you're pregnant.
0: Yes. Yeah. You're kind of, (laughs) yeah, you're on that train and it's not going to stop. Nope. (laughs) Um, and yeah, I think that preparatory phase is huge. Um, so we went over some of the effects. We went over some of the nutrients that might be depleted, um, some complications, um, and even some of the effects that progesterone and other hormones can have. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a good thing to talk about now would be, so we've given birth and now it's time to go through breast milk production and Mm -hmm. feeding. Um, What are some things that we can think about, um, to maybe help with breast milk or if we can't produce enough milk for breastfeeding, what are some substitutions that we could think about?
2: Yeah. Um, so I will say that I heard somebody describe, you know, we put all of this time and planning into, you know, either pre-pregnancy, definitely with pregnancy, like my birth plan and who will deliver and all Mm -hmm. of this stuff, the baby's room and we think of like the birth as like the finish line
1: yeah. when
2: we're really like it's kind of the starting line like at this point now you've got to figure out all of this for a little human
1: yeah
2: um so it's really nice to <laughs> be able to go into it and not have all these complicating issues with all of that stuff but um the like let's do the breastfeeding one part or with milk supply because i've run into that quite a bit. I had it with one of mine and you never dreamed that feeding a baby could be so incredibly stressful to a mom until you're like, Oh gosh, I mm-hmm. can't. Um, so what I personally have found, um, a very common foundational thing in, um, milk supply with women ties back into the whole HPA axis is, um, basically like low pituitary function where you're not getting that output of prolactin, mm-hmm. um, usually driven by stress and adrenal function. Yeah. Um, so I have um, successfully used... I'm not huge on using glandulars, but I've used um, a glandular. I prefer biotics research just because they have, like, the cleanest, and they used they use neonatal glandulars rather than, like, adult glands. I feel like they're probably a little cleaner. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I feel about the baby part of it, but if I can... Block out all of that stuff using pituitary glandular HPT, HPPTPH. I can't remember all the letters now. Um, I've had quite a bit of success with as far as boosting and supporting milk supply for women that have troubles. You probably have far more like food or herbal s- options that might be a little bit. Um, humane, more humane. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Well, there can be yeah, there can be a couple of things like um, a really popular ones, fenugreek. Yeah. That are used quite often. Yeah. Um, I think there can even just be some. Um, Especially they do massage and then body work too. Yeah. Um, that can be a huge thing for. Um, kind of freeing up.
2: Yeah. Uh, chiropractic. Supply. Yeah. Chiropractic, they did talk about that like, in school.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I would start with there, you know, maybe even just trying some of that, um, and seeing if that helps.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I will say like, we don't use the, the glandular stuff until we know hormone levels. Like that's the cause of the, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
2: I wouldn't jump straight to that. So yeah, I, I'm pretty sure we carry it here now. I can't remember what the brand is, but I know, um, gosh, well, maybe we'll link to it. Yeah, um, they have can. a great formulation that's got, I feel like it's time. One of them too? fenugreek time time yeah um there's some good herbal formulations as far as that goes um i do feel like too mentioning the whole like staying hydrated mm. portion i've had a few moms that struggled with supply mainly because they were just dehydrated
1: yeah
2: um so hydration and again back to that whole like making sure you're actually eating and eating nourishing foods is a super important part yeah I know you'd ask me something else, but my um, postnatal depletion <laughs> brain <laughs> has already exactly forgotten enough. what it was.
0: Yeah, it was just if maybe we can't do um, breastfeeding, what are some substitutes that we could think about?
2: Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the one that I'm most familiar with, as far as um, people have used like a raw goat milk mm-hmm. homemade formulation. Um, I don't have the recipe off the top of my head, but I know, I mean, you add in like molasses and other fats and things like that. Um, you had said that, I'm like, oh, you know more of what's downstairs than I do at Georgetown. They've got one that you said is.
0: There was a recipe that talked about, um, kind of making, it's like a molasses base from grains mostly. Yeah. Um, cause usually when, yeah, when you look at, um, it sounds like, I think it's the uh, transitional or the mature breast milk. It's mostly like fats and sugars and proteins. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when we think about it, like fats and those sugars, pretty satiating. Um, so you could probably find a recipe for that. Um, I always like colostrum a lot. Yeah. You think about colostrum, that's kind of where you get that immunological support. Um, you know, mothers will make that during the first couple of days, but then also other animals like cows. Um, so you could get like a grass-fed colostrum uh, from a local farmer. I think they sell patterns as well from other companies. Um, so that could be maybe an option if someone's struggling with that
2: yeah especially if they your baby never gets the chance to you know nurse in the first several days like mm-hmm. I know there's the um, I don't want to say stigma but there's like the the belief that like nothing's happening the first several days until your quote milk supply comes in yeah. which I think is I don't know if I f- totally believe that um, but the colostrum like you're saying in those first few days like if you don't ever unfortunately get the chance if your baby doesn't i think that's huge to be able to introduce the colostrum for sure like it's a very big component of what a baby needs to initially boost everything so
0: definitely yeah, i think you're you kind of come out and you need like especially if we don't have um especially if someone goes through like a c-section yeah um, where we don't have that bacterial swab right off the bat yep. you know by going through the, vag- the vaginal passageway um it can be troublesome for that development. Yeah. Um, and so finding ways to support the immune system is really, really important. Um, and I think calcium could be one. Um, but, I don't know, it's hard. A lot of them are soy-based, and that's, I think, the big thing to avoid. Yeah. When you think about, like, what can I give as a substitute? Because, yeah. Um, yeah, if they're like, GMO'd and stuff like that, yeah. and you think about, you have no defense system and stuff like that, I guess, can't think of a, like, a worse combination, almost.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. And on that, this is kind of a side note, but with the whole C-section thing too, um, you know, just as I would really, you know, colostrum being, um, the nourishment point for the immune system that if anybody's had a C-section baby that also having, um, good, like cranial sacral therapy Mm -hmm. because of that whole compression of the cranial bones, like that Jump starts the entire craniosacral rhythm. So if if baby's gone through C-section, colostrum is a really good thing to consider. And I would definitely, we should find some good craniosacral therapists. And if you're one of them, contact us. Yes. Um, I think that's another huge thing too, from a C-section standpoint to help with baby as well. I know we're talking about moms here, but yes, we're like a, we, Uh, we come together. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, and I know. I mean, this the it's kind of a s- side note too, but you know, we've talked about you know food sources and you know herbs and things like that. But another big component to um, counteracting any postnatal depletion stuff would relate back into that whole stress component of making sure you find good relaxation techniques yes. that you enjoy, like whether it's. Just simple deep breathing, which you can do anywhere, anytime, and it's free of charge.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, or being out in nature or meditation or whatever it is. I think mom's finding, um, ideally before you have baby, because sometimes you're in a whirlwind and it's really hard to sit down and center and focus, but finding what your relaxation methods are um, is a really good thing to throw in too. Yes.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> Yeah, it's a big transition period, but keeping up those practices that were still a part of you beforehand, I think is a big thing. Yeah. Um. And, yeah, and finding that kind of you time slice of time you know, where you can just kind of nourish yourself is definitely a huge thing. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also worth mentioning just because I think I have a lot of people ask, like, oh, well, herbs can I start taking um, during a pregnancy, before a pregnancy, and then after. Yeah. Um. And there's <laughs> not a lot to no. be honest <laughs> and especially during like you can think about red raspberry being a great one mm-hmm. um, it's one that grows around here you can get really readily access to it yeah um and it's used a lot of times as a uterine tonic mm-hmm. so it could be a good one definitely in that preparatory phase to think about yeah. um and use throughout a healthy pregnancy but sometimes using like lotus things like ginger or mints yeah. can be also safe um but there's a lot of herbs that are contraindicated like things that like have caffeine or immunological stimulation Yeah, um, can definitely throw that off. Um, so what? we want to make sure we're avoiding those.
2: Yeah. I'm assuming you could probably lump coffee into that too, right?
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs>
2: like I know, I know
0: I'm, a, I'm a not a big coffee. Yep.
2: Yeah. It's like coffee isn't really that good for you or the baby during pregnancy or after. Yes. <laughs> and yeah.
0: And the other concern is sometimes if you're breastfeeding, you can pass certain things on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I think when you think about um, postnatally, if you have a lot of um, a need for proper like blood support, yeah, um, that can be a, a huge thing, and that can be an area where herbs are really helpful. Um, you just got to make sure you're working with a well-trained herbalist that can help you with that. Um, you know, if you're not breastfeeding, you know things like um, Romania is uses a Chinese herb a lot of times, Romania glutinosa, mm-hmm. um, to help. <clears throat> as like a blood tonic build the blood per se yeah um but you want to make sure that you're doing it safely so that you're not maybe interacting with the, the child and causing any issues there yeah um other things like you know they talk about you know um, b vitamins being really important for red blood cell um formation right. yep. so b6 um, b9 b12 mm-hmm. are being really important um but yeah we want to make sure that we're still being safe with the child
2: yeah yeah that's an area i don't know too much about as far as the herbs and safety with pregnancy, we always err on the side of, well, you can have red raspberry tea. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and there's, um, definitely some herbalists in town. Um, there's Constance Ferry, who's, um, down in green, the green castle area, um, Fillmore, Indiana specifically that could definitely help in that area. Uh, Karen Burr, who's a mutual friend of both of ours as well. Yeah. Um, she's great with e- providing, um, post, you know, care packages, um, whether they're um, some of the cis baths or yoni steams yeah. um, or even just to take internally as well. So I definitely recommend reaching out to them. Um, if you have questions about herbs um, with that, um, and, yeah, because it's a community. And so using all these different resources here is really important.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the whole sits bath thing. I know I delivered with a midwife, and um, I think it's fairly standard practice for them to, you know, not require but strongly recommend that you have you know an herbal bath for after you have baby and i will say um it makes a very big difference so like if anyone's planning or at that point that you should definitely if you're delivering in a hospital great but you can still do a lot of these things at home too if you like you said reach out with somebody around here that knows what they're doing and I didn't think about Karen. cell. So of course she would. Yes. Of course Karen would have that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and they usually put some great herbs in the sitz baths and sometimes like soothing herbs like calendula, um, tightening and stringent herbs, um, to also help. Um, and I think, yeah, if there's been any tears, um, it's a great thing to consider.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I think we've kind of <laughs> run through postnatal you know, depletions and some considerations. Um, anything else you want to add before we kind of wrap this thing up?
2: Um, I mean, I guess the only other thing I can think about adding is I know they they um, like to make, well, Dr. Oscar makes a big point of uh, making the difference between postpartum depression versus like postpartum depletion.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I think there's a lot of tie over. Like I think postpartum or postnatal depletions could definitely contribute mm-hmm. to postpartum depression. Um, but like we're talking different things where obviously like postpartum depression is like a major mental health thing that requires, um, obviously you find, uh, much deeper levels of help with where the postnatal depletions is, uh, not going to be as widely recognized. Um, cause it's, I guess it's a fairly new term that's been coined, but when you, well, especially if you live it but when you start to research it and understand it and tie it all together like I would venture to say there's a large population of new mothers that are probably dealing with this that don't have a clue and maybe don't know what to do and I personally feel like other than the postpartum depression part like I personally don't feel like you're probably not going to get a whole lot of answers from like pharmaceutical medicines because a lot of them don't address any kind of like nutritional need. Um, So if it's something that you or someone that you know might potentially be dealing with it um, to definitely try to reach out to, you know, I'm happy to help if I can reach out and um, find somebody that can help connect all those pieces so that you can Get through it and work through it so you're not a decade in yes <laughs> without a brain.
0: <laughs> I think that's a great point because, yeah, if we're just treating symptoms um, and we're depleted, mm-hmm. we're never going to get any better. Right. We're going to stay depleted. And so that distinction is major, I think. Um, and we'll definitely link to. Not only your contact and my contact, but some of the other practitioners we've had on. Yeah. Um, So if you need help in any of those ways, they can reach out to someone. Yeah. Hopefully get a response and answer in some way. Yeah. Um, Because, yeah, it's no fun not feeling well. And like we said, like this can last up to a decade. Yeah. um, If not longer. So it's important (laughs) to get on top of it and, I think, um, address it sooner than later.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Life was meant to be enjoyed, right?
0: That's right. (laughs) Well, Glad we did it. I'm glad we wrapped it up. And yeah, it's been a wonderful September and I'm looking forward to our new guests in October. Yeah. Awesome. See you guys next time.
1: Goodbye.